Welcome to Moonbeaming, a podcast about magic, creativity, the tarot, lunar living, and more. I'm your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner, and I'm so happy you're here. Hi, welcome back. You are listening to Moonbeaming, a podcast about creativity, intuition, and living a magical life in the end times. I'm your host, Sarah. It's me. I'm an artist. I'm an author of The Moon Book, and I am one very tired witch. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're tired, if you're wired, if you're fired up, this is a very welcoming place for all kinds of states of emotions and energies. So you can very much come as you are here. A little note before we begin that I think it's next week. I cannot believe we are almost at the end of the year and this month, but here we are. Next week, I'll be announcing our monthly giveaway. Yes, this is a giveaway where you leave this show a five-star review, you say why you love it, and then you get a chance to win a 30-minute tarot reading with me. Not a bad deal. My books are closed. They'll be closed for quite a while, and then they will only be open to my former wonderful clients and my incredible Patreon subscribers who are supporting this podcast. So this is it, babes. This is your chance to get to win a free 99 reading with me, myself, your guides. Who knows? Who knows who else is going to turn up? It's always a surprise to me. And for real, your guides, spirits, and beloved ancestors are always there for you if and when you are ready. But you already know that, right? You already know that. You don't need an altar. You don't need to light a candle. Though it helps, you merely have to reach out with intention and belief. And, you know, cast a protective circle and ground and make sure that you're in a good headspace. You know, all that, all that jazz. But I digress. I digress because it's what I do. Okay, we've got an episode to get into this conversation you are about to hear is a really special one. Today on the podcast, we have two people I really respect and admire, Shauna Bryant and Susan Ate. Shauna Bryant is a breathwork meditation facilitator, Pilates, and gyrotonic instructor. That sounds like a fun time. And founder of the Breath Liberation Society. With 15 years of experience, Shauna assists her clients in cultivating their mind, body, and breath alignment. In the spring of 2021, Shauna founded Breath Liberation Society, or BLS for short. Breath Liberation Society is a radically inclusive, diverse, and trauma-informed breathwork community. It is committed to cultivating liberation and transformation through the breath. Susan Ate is a breathwork facilitator, actor, and writer. 
She aids the body's ability to heal itself from emotional wounds through specialized breathwork techniques. Susan uses her unique skill set to help people amplify their voices, take up space, and showcase their abilities. With an open heart, Susan guides you through a transformative experience. I wanted to have these shining stars on the podcast for a number of reasons. They are active facilitators in the breathwork space. They are super smart, very skilled. I also wanted to have them on to talk about breathwork. I get questions about it and I wanted to go more into what it is exactly for all of you who are curious. I was also incredibly impressed by an accountability process that they and a number of other folks facilitated in 2020 and what came of it. This year, in a Hierophant year, I wanted to talk about problematic teachers. I wanted to talk about discernment. I wanted to talk about accountability. And so I really wanted to have an episode that highlighted the anatomy of an accountability process. Because a common refrain I will hear is, what do I do? How do I approach a teacher that is causing harm or is racist or is culturally appropriative? I mean, we could be here all day, right? There's a whole laundry list, particularly in the new age space, you know? So I get that that question, what do I do? There's a lot of fear and intensity and confusion. And for a lot of good reasons, it's hard to stand up to a teacher with critique. There's already an inherent power dynamic there at play, or it might be complicated. You might really love them. And there might be an aspect or something they said that you need them to know about, but maybe you're wary. I mean, there are so many different scenarios of how this plays out. And I wanted to have folks on the podcast who experienced this, who took action so we could go over what worked and what didn't work. Listen, the so-called wellness or spiritual space, the new age space, or even witchcraft spaces can be filled with snake oil salespeople, narcissists, and other folks who are causing harm in any number of ways. I am posting a bonus episode for my Patreon subscribers that goes into more detail about how to be discerning about the practitioner's you work with and listen to, and who you give your precious energy and awareness and money to. So look out for that on the Patreon. Discernment is really important, babes. As someone who has been through the ringer myself with certain people, who has absolutely taken a step back from looking for community in certain spaces for many reasons, I understand how painful and confusing it can be to experience situations like this. Unfortunately, they happen and they happen pretty frequently. And I'm 
just sharing this because you're not alone. If something like this, getting involved with a harmful teacher or a harmful group has happened to you, I'm so sorry. In this episode, Shauna and Susan talk about how they dealt with irresponsible teachers, I'd say harmful, and the two of them are such incredible examples about how you can call folks in, how you can ask people to take accountability with respect, compassion, and a lot of generosity. It's an awesome episode to listen to if you've been curious about breathwork, if you've just been like, what is this? I've heard about it. What is it? If you want to know how different folks approach a singular modality in different ways, if you want to figure out how to make facilitating, holding space, healing your vocation, if you have felt alone in the spiritual or wellness space, if you are a person of color there, if you are trans there, if you are non-binary, queer, if you are disabled, if you have mental health stuff, like you're depressed, you're not love and light enough, for whatever reason, for whatever reason you've been made to feel alone in these kinds of spaces, this episode is for you and you're not alone. You're not in feeling that way. I have felt that way many times. I also love Susan's and Shauna's friendship and witnessing that just brings me joy. So hopefully this will make you feel inspired to phone a friend or voice memo them and tell them why you love them. I don't think that there needs to be a content warning. We don't go into like a lot of detail, but you know, if you're not in the mood, don't do it. Put on your kitten podcast or your kitten cam and just vibe to that. No worries. Okay, everyone, here it is, an expansive and informative conversation with Susan Ate and Shauna Bryant. Hello, hello. I could not be more excited to have two amazing, brilliant, beautiful, kind, experienced guests with me today on the show. Today I have Susan and Shauna. I would love for both of you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, uh, my name is Susan Ate. I am Irish Cameroonian. Uh, I, I say that because I actually, my mom's Irish, my dad's from Cameroon, and I had the uh, pleasure and privilege of growing up in both those countries. So um, I come to life with kind of that uh, experience. Um, I am a breathwork facilitator. I'm also an actor and I uh, write in my own spare time and let very few people read it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure in the coming months and years, more people will be reading it, right? You never know. The courage. Everybody has something that they need a little bit of a courageous moment to uh, <laughs> let it be seen, right? Um, I am Shauna. I am 
extremely thrilled that Susan just named herself as a writer, which we can talk about later, but that just made my day. So I just want to put that out there. Um, but um, yeah, I live in Washington, D.C. I am um, a native of Southern California. I like to say that's still home, even though I've been here for quite some time. Um, I am a Pilates instructor. That's kind of my day job. I am a breathwork facilitator and I am the founder of Breath Liberation Society, um, a learning and um, community space for breathwork facilitators. I mean, amazing. Both of you are four letter words, starts with a B, ends with a Y, and that is busy. Both of you do a lot of different things. How did you come to finding out that there are all these like different activities, um, you know, that you like to do? Uh, and also, how do you juggle all of them? Um, so this is an incredibly well-timed question. Um, I realized, I think, mm, three weeks ago that I don't juggle them. Um, that's been a big, um, <laughs> it's been a very big uh, thing for me this summer. Um, I, I think essentially a friend pointed out that I have about three jobs and that at best I'm giving all three of my jobs 33% of my time. Um, and several of them need about 100% of my time. Um, so in terms of juggling, um, I don't think I've had the most balanced of lives this last year. I think I, I've definitely worked a lot. Um, I think it's easy to do when you have a lot of passion projects, when you feel very, very, um, I guess I'm going to use the word passion again, but when you feel like what you're doing is making a difference, it's easy to kind of plow forward. But I definitely found myself very tired and overwhelmed by like the middle to end of July. Um, so right now how I'm juggling is I just finished redoing my schedule. Um, I moved all my Pilates clients to Wednesdays, Fridays. For the first time in my adult life, I have a day or two off a week, um, which is a very big deal. Um, and yeah, that's how I'm juggling. <laughs> You know, I love the realness of that answer because I think there are so many people listening who can completely relate. So I'm so grateful for you for sharing so honestly about that. And I'm so happy that you're rearranging your schedule. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I'm somebody who literally flies by the seat of their pants, if I'm being really honest. And I, um, I'm also someone who loves being in the flow. So therefore, I, I'm not a structured person and society keeps telling me I need to be structured and then I keep fighting that I need to be structured. Uh, everything that I do is because I'm passionate about it, um, which I think has, it's interesting because I think that's both a wonderful thing and also something that it, it's, a, it's a tricky one to maneuver sometimes uh, because a lot of it is where I'm drawn to the work, but not necessarily the money. <laughs> so I, I, you know, in terms of juggling that way, I don't do a great job of that. But um, and I think when I'm really in the flow, things always seem to just be in the right space in the right time. And that feels really good for me. But I do definitely feel the strain and the stress sometimes of what I am. And it's interesting what I am supposed to think that I want. <laughs> you know, that's how it feels. Wow. Again, like that's a whole we could just start because that's a whole thing, right? Like what we really want versus what we maybe 
think we want or are led to think that we want. And as both of you were speaking, I actually remembered this other conversation I was having with a dear friend of mine who is interested in many different things, right? Similar to both of you. He is a, he works in the healing arts or the wellness space. And also he's an incredible writer, like an incredible writer. And we were saying how our society doesn't want us to be like holographic, multiplicitous beings. They want us to do one thing all the time within this thing. And you're sort of seen as like flaky or not committed or not disciplined or not devoted enough if you want to do three things, you know, or you want to change what you're doing throughout your life. And there's nothing more natural to us. We're all creatives. Everyone listening is a creative, whether you are an accountant or a dog walker, or I don't know what, if you make, I don't know, PDFs, whatever, you're still creative and you're human. And we go through these cycles and we're just not meant to be the same all the time. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, um, especially for me, because coming, I say, especially for me only because I'm in London right now and I was in Ireland. And so um, this is, you know, where my mom's from Ireland. And so I'm around my family right now. And that gets really magnified, um, extremely magnified. And being around people who have the home and the kids and the house and the nine to five and are living next to their mother and all those things are really wonderful. However, it's not the life I chose. And I really wrestle with that every time that I come here. And there's almost like this pull inside of me. And exactly what you're saying, it's, it's, there's something about it that feels like there's something internally wrong that I want to do multiple things. Uh, I do have times where I, I have the thought that's like, oh, you're lazy or why do you want to drop this? You're not committed to that. But actually, when I really sit and I'm kinder, more compassionate with myself, it's because I love the excitement of different things. I'm that kind of a human. And I love to move from one creative place to another creative place. And when I really look at it, they're all linked. So, you know, it's just a different way of expressing myself. But society tells me and creates worry for my family, right? About, well, what does this look like for you? Like, you can't keep doing this for the rest of your life. And it's like, doing what? Living? You know, that's the question. You have any thoughts, Shauna? Yeah, I um. I, I agree. Uh, I also got to travel home um, and see family um, over the summer. And I think having been an entrepreneur um, for, I think it's been like 10 or 12 years now, um, but still kind of in this space that it's hard for people to define, like I was in fitness, now there's breath work. And I think it's really hard for people to understand um, my like inability to fit into a box, you know, like um, something that make, and I'm using air quotes, but like something that like makes sense to everyone about like how I, you know, how you spend your time. Um, and there definitely is this pull to want to just be like, fine, now I'm an accountant. Are you happy? You know, but I, I think I know that I wouldn't be happy. Um, I know Susan, um, 
dealt with me crying so much over like two years ago because I wanted to be a nurse. I was like, I'm done. I quit. I'm going to go get it. <laughs> I'm throwing in the towel. And I was like taking, you know, I was taking classes and it's so funny. Um, every, every like reading that I went to, um, every friend that I have was just like this, what are you, why are you doing this? Like, that's not for you. And I was like, no, but I just want to have something I can explain. I just want to, you know, like, I want like a normal job. Um, anyways, I'm not in nursing school. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely, it's, I've, I've done that. I, I did it. Um, and still here. Um, I, I think I'm just going to keep on my weirdo path. Now I'm happier here. Yes. And the beautiful thing about that actually was at that time, it was the, everything she would do. Like there was just a big scream, like, no, no, a block, a block, a block. It's like, no, but I really need this. And it was just like, what are you doing? Take a breath. Um, so I'm really glad you found your way. That reminds me of something I had to talk about with the two of you which is friendship. The two of you are dear friends. I would love to hear about how you met, what you connected over. Yeah, just like that that little love story. All right, so I'll go. Susan and I met in breathwork training um, on like <laughs> in a rural area um, on a mountain in middle America. Um, and it's interesting, um, we went to breathwork training um, I can't remember if it was before um, the the presidency or during the elections, but I remember, um, you know, we were in a spot in America where we were having a lot of um, racism just come up to the front of the stage, um, whereas there used to be whispers and maybe people were pretending. No one was pretending. Um, the president wanted to build a wall. It was it was awful, um, and I remember being so worried flying to the middle of nowhere when I didn't know anyone. And I was like, you know, just kind of building up my armor and my confidence, like ready to be the only black person in the room and just get what I could. And just, you know, it just like toughening myself up, like you can do this, you need this. Um, and we were all kind of doing like ride sharing and such from the airport because the, the commute to the house was a bit far. And I was meeting, like we all had like a little thread and I didn't look anybody up, which is weird because had I Googled you movie star, um, that would have come up easily, but I didn't. Um, so I was like walking you through the airport and I was like looking for someone named Susan who had like yellow or something. And I remember I saw Susan and I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank goodness. I'm not by myself here. And that's how I met Miss Ate. Um, we, we actually, um, we had partners all the time at breathwork training. We were never partnered up now once, but for some reason, we always ended up sitting near each other. Um, and I think by the end of the week, I was like, by the way, I know we didn't get to hang out, but we're friends now. So just FYI. <laughs> and that's that. Um, yeah, it was actually, yeah, it was great. Cause it was, she, it, Shauna was the first person that I think came and was like, Hey, I'm Shauna, you know, at the airport. Um, and uh, our friendship really grew like after the breathwork training. Um, even though I will say this, the women at that training were all majority incredible women, like wise and open and warm and so that was such a blessing um we were just really really lucky and i think afterward our our relationship got deeper as well because there was that sense of oh now what <laughs> like we were just kind of left after the training with no support system no community it was just like go out into the world and do what i mean i already had reservations anyway because i was my own lack of confidence was like well I'm just going to do it for my friends and family and this was for me but um 
So reaching out and like starting to talk about it. Um, and then we created our own little community where we were able to hold each other accountable, support each other, um, and kind of really work through what we needed to be and who we needed to be as uh, breathwork facilitators, holding very vulnerable, delicate, beautiful, fragile space for people. That's so beautiful. What are the gifts that this friendship has given you? So many. Um, I think texts and just random texts. How are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, my uh, boyfriend uh, uh, breaking up with me and not having uh, somebody to spend my birthday with and Shauna taking the train and spending it with me, um, being able to cry freely um you know knowing that there you can count on the person and that they will be there uh walk walking through and talking through life and it, it, in all its um facades the happy the triumphant ones the uh, uh giving courage to move forward and say you can do this keep going um teaching each other uh yeah just so so many things yeah, I'll add to that list. Um, you know, I think support's been a big deal for both of us. Um, perspective. Um, you know, I think in a lot of like healing spaces, there's all these talks about like, oh, you're going to start losing friends and blah, blah, blah. And like, I think I, I have my own opinions on that. But I, I do think that as we grow, as we gain personal strength, we learn new perspectives. Um, you know, we start to build better boundaries. Um, I think a lot of times that is hard for the people in our lives. Um, so it's been really nice to have somebody else who's like one of my dearest friends, but outside of that immediate circle to go to and be like, hey, am I not being humble? Am I not like just like a, a, a nice little like gut check? Like, is this is this not me? You know, am I not being humble? Is this can I curse on here? Like, is this, is this bullshit? Like, you know, like I think I like run stuff by Susan constantly around that. I'm just like, is this, am I, am I not seeing it? And I think being able to get this like kind of honest perspective again from somebody who has a bird's eye view, but that I trust fully has my best interests at heart has been really, really nice. Um, I joke with Susan that like, I always want to call her and be like, and then this horrible thing may happen. And like, you'd expect like a really good friend to be like, oh, mm, okay, then what? And Susan's like, okay, so what? What are you going to do then? What are you going to do? Fix it. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, like, I wish I'd called a nicer friend. But now that you've, now that you've said that, I guess I can fix it. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful to have that. Yes. And like, I feel like Susan is very intuitive and Shauna probably also secretly knows you kind of want that little bit of tough love. Like you've got this. You also, Shauna brought up something I wanted to go into. And that is, the overwhelming whiteness of the wellness space like it you know and and i and i would also sort of add on to that as my own like my own personal experience as being a queer person um just the overwhelming heteronormativity cis centered binary um i'm going to i could i could add many more descriptors i shall not for the sake of time and i just kind of like wanted to ask you know has that been a deterrent 
for both of you in these spaces, what does it feel like, um, you know, like just, just what has that been like for you, for, for both of you? So, um, I can also speak as a queer woman, um, in these, a, a queer newly engaged woman. I forgot to bring that up, um, when Yay! I introduced myself. Congrats! Um, yeah. <laughs> Like, was it a surprise? Come on, let's what? A couple, a couple, a couple weeks ago, I in our living room with our dog, I'll I'll post a picture, um, asked my beautiful girlfriend to marry me. And so we're going, we are now engaged. We're now fiancés. Um, but what I will say about that um is yeah, I agree. I think, you know, the the rigidity of a lot of healing spaces, um, this kind of reemergence of the divine feminine and the masculine energy thing that we keep seeing um, that can be so limiting and so restrictive. Um, and people are quite unapologetic about using those terms in spaces and about, um, you know, just flat out Xing so many people um, out of the conversation by just using those really, really um, very, again, binary words, I will say that. Um, but also, yeah, in race, I think after I did my breathwork training, I was just like, okay, I've got to find some other healer. I've got to find some other teachers. I remember I like came up. Um, so my, my roommates in breathwork training, Sarah had your, um, had one of your moon books and that's how I found out about you. And I was like, all right, moon book. I like ordered my moon book or whatever. And I remember coming up to New York and meeting you and Zanetta and just being like, well, I'm done with straight white healers now. You know, I'm done with that. <laughs> I've got to diversify. And, you know, they're out there. Like maybe they don't have these major platforms. Maybe they don't have a deal with freaking aloe yoga, but like, you know, they're out there and, and they're doing this great work that's been passed down from their generations that they've researched, that they've learned. Um, maybe, you know, Colin organization took it away, but they've done research and like, figured out how to make it their own. Like there are healers and there are mystics and lovely people out there. You just have to look like three pages in um, to find them. And then you really start to find your community. You really start to find people that resonate with who you are and kind of what you want your, your space in this earth to look like. Um, so that's what I'll say. Yeah, I think you put it so beautifully, Shauna. Um, I think for me as well, I'm also, like I always keep saying I'm relatively new to this wellness space. And I I was talking to you on, on Monday, Sarah, and I was like, I don't know, something even about the word wellness now, I'm having like heebie-jeebies with this. Like, I feel like I'm going to at some point eradicate all words and just start like communicating differently. Like I don't know what I'm going to use. Um, it's, it's just the feeling it brings up, right? Um, but yes, it's it, it 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 was also shocking for me. Um, I also want to preface, you know, I have a white mother, so I'm also mixed. Um, I grew up a good part of my life in Ireland, um, and spent a lot of time in London. So I, I also come from a, a different perspective and I also recognize my privilege within these perspectives so I don't think that initially I was as hyper aware um, that I but I really when I saw it I couldn't unsee it um, and I think that you're absolutely right Shauna the idea of you have to look four pages in um, and that angered me and saddens saddened still saddens me still angers me um, and just the amount of uh, credibility that we give 
whiteness in 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 these spaces um and then when you kind of scratch the surface or you look deeper there's so much cultural appropriation that is happening at every single turn and a lot of lack of acknowledgement of where the practices are coming from where the tools are coming from um and i think it's it's a real problem and uh sometimes i want to be done with this area of the wellness world i feel like we're constantly fighting but then i stop and i go okay but even if i just do a little bit at least i'm representing you know like there there's it becomes not about me it's kind of you know you you, you it's our duty in a, in a, in a lot of ways yes and we're going to get into how both of you are doing that as well in your own lives and in communities i did just want to sort of chime in as both of you were speaking something that occurred to me which is that i think when we're looking for a teacher or someone to learn from i think it's really important to know what the person's cosmology is what their belief system is what their context is, what they how, what they think about politics, what they understand about systems of oppression, because as you said, with these words like wellness, what is it, health and wellness, you know, Rachel Ricketts calls it the wealth and hellness, you know, and like, I like want to be really clear, like, I'm done, like, I'm not, I never wanted to be a part of, I didn't even know it existed, to be honest with you. And then I kind of got exposed to it, let's just say, um, by nature of the kind of work I was doing. I think a lot of people think I'm in that world. And I don't consider like, I mean, that's a whole nother combo. I think we have to just create the communities and the realms and the paradigms that we would like. And the other thing I was going to say as you were speaking, and I'd love to hear you chime in, is like, there's this word that does rub me the wrong way. And that word is healing. And the reason why it rubs me the wrong way in certain white wellness spaces is that like, if you're a white person and you're not working on dismantling your internalized uh, whiteness, your internalized, you know, oppression, racism, misogyny, whatever it is, how can you be like healing anyone? If you're just going to replicate unconscious biases, if you're just going to replicate power dynamics, if you are going to not be interested in cultural competency, like, you know, other, other viewpoints, other cosmologies, your own lineage, your own ancestry, how are you like healing? I'm putting this in air quotes, you know, um, and, I, and I'd really love to hear both of you chime in on that if you have any thoughts. Well, the beautiful thing about that is just even listening to you, I'm like, oh yeah, I went away from the breathwork training with none of that, with all that list, like not, nothing, you know? Um, no talk of lineage, no talk of responsibility, no no code of ethics, um, no, there's just so many things lacking um, of, t of being a responsible person in that arena. And, the word healing, I don't particularly love it. The only reason being for me, and absolutely everything you've, you've encapsulated 100%, for me, it makes me feel really uneasy 
because it is saying that I'm doing something that the other person can't do for themselves. And I 100% not on that path. And that that is my biggest issue with that word for me. Yep, I totally agree. I think the word healing, um, I think calling myself a healer, um, I think it takes away the agency and it takes away the personal power of the person who is working with me. Um, and something that we, I know we all say that a lot, but I think what the the uglier part that we don't mention is that it takes away the the agency and the and the confidence and the courage and the self abilities to to um to better oneself away from that person, it puts it squarely on my shoulders. Now I'm doing something, which I think turns it into this kind of guru goddess atmosphere that I've never been comfortable with. Like I, I'm here to support. I am here to to you know to to observe to witness. I'm not here to cure anyone. I'm not here to fix anyone. And I think when people are very comfortable wearing that title, I generally tend to stray away from that person simply because I'm like, well, I think that's something you want. And, and I don't need to, (laughs) I don't need to be here to witness it. You know, I kind of see it that way. Um, And thinking a lot about um, just about people being responsible in, um, in the wellness industry. And so I've actually been in the wellness industry forever, because, you know, before breathwork, I was in fitness. Um, And that's, that was the beginning of, you know, like the venture capitalists realizing that there are billions of dollars being spent on wellness, blah, 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 we must commodify. Um, And it turned into that. Um, But what I've noticed, and this is in fitness, I've noticed it a lot in a lot of like, yoga and even breathwork spaces is that when we declare ourselves healers and we take away someone's personal power, um, we teach them to do the same thing. And we essentially create just like disciples to go on and perpetuate more harm. We almost like, you know, knight them and send them on their way to half explain, to gaslight and to, to cause more harm. Yeah, both of you with the mic drop moments, like, yes, 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 could not agree more. I wanted to ask both of you, because we've been, we keep using the words, and I know some folks listening may not know what we're talking about when we say breath work. So I would love it if you could talk about what breath work is, uh, how it, how it helps, how it's healed or helped to heal you, all of those things, just a sort of primer for folks listening. And obviously I need to disclaim we're only just speaking for ourselves and our point of view. You know, this is like, y'all can go on Google, you can read books, you can do your own research if you're interested, but I just wanted to kind of, we, you all know that listening though. I know, cause you're so smart, but yes. Okay. I'll give that one to you, Shauna, if you don't mind starting first. She has a wonderful training skill. <laughs> so, um, so I tend to ramble a lot. Um, so I was literally like not even looking up. I was writing down my answers so that way I could answer all of them without like going off on a tangent. Um, so we'll see. I wrote down half of them. Um, breathwork is an active meditation um, that allows. Um, it uses a rhythmic breathing pattern, um, and it's there's almost like an umbrella term at this point for breath work. Um, And it almost always includes the use of breath in a meditative form. Um, A lot of people do breath work in yoga. There's like that nasal breathing. A lot of times people just consider focused breathing to be breath work. Um, Susan and I did a training where we practice the three-part breath. um, And that's a 
breath into the mouth, into the belly, into the mouth, into the chest with a big exhale. I know there's holotropic breath work. That's a fun one to Google for anyone who um, is just listening. Um, if you've ever seen the people doing like the hyperventilating breath in the ice baths, um, that's also a style of breath work. So really breath work is a kind of umbrella term that can mean a lot of things, but specifically as we're speaking, Susan and I, speaking for you, jump in if I'm wrong, we're talking about a three-part breathing um, practice that is very much energy work. Um, it helps, um, especially, I'm, maybe you can't hear this through the microphone, I'm a pretty busy, energetic person, um, so breath work for me has been a way to calm down. Um, I really had a hard time with, with traditional meditation. Um, this idea, especially, I mean, now I can do some meditation, but originally I had a very tough time with just sitting and breathing and clearing my brain. Like, I feel like my brain's like, I'll run three laps. I'll make a grocery list. Also, do you remember that thing you did when you're 21? Like my brain will go off. So for me, this breathing pattern that's just complicated enough for my brain to have something to do um, has been a really freeing part of my of my of my self care. It's been a really freeing part of my I'm using my air quotes again healing journey um, because it has really helped me to quiet my brain and feel my body. Um, I grew up incredibly religious, um, and I'm a queer woman, so. I have a, <laughs> I have a lot of healing to do. I have a lot of shit to sort out. Um, and breathwork's been a very big tool for me to do that. So yeah, that's where I'm at with breathwork, Susan. Uh, yeah, so breathwork for me. So yes, it's three-part breath. Um, also, prana, it's a pranayama uh, patterned breath uh, from Southeast Asia, correct? Yeah, and we think and hope because it's it's very hard to pin it down. We're still, you know, um, exploring that because unfortunately that was never uh, told to us where the origin of the breath was. I mean, it was, but it uh, it wasn't the place where it was or originally from. Uh, for me, breath work has been uh, in, an incredible tool to be able to live in my body. I when I came to breathwork I had such a visceral response to it and because I'd never really experienced my body's pain I'd never really experienced what it was holding on to so it it was quite a really intense encounter the first encounter and I remember actually doing the breath for the first time because just to preface I went on my flow journey and decided I was going to do a breathwork training, having never done breathwork before. So I arrived there with never having done this breath. Um, and the first time I did, I was like, yeah, okay, how do I get down this mountain, pack my bags and get out of here? Cause this is not for me because I just was so overwhelmed with how much I had been carrying. Right. And so to be able to experience um, the pain that was within me and to be able to let it move and to let it out was so profound. Um, so that was my my experience with breath work. And, and it's funny because I, I laugh with Shauna, but she has her people that she goes to for breath work. And so she's like, if I need to cry, I'll come to Susan. And maybe it's because that's how what you know my my first experience with breath work was just so emotional um that i kind of have this ability to hold that space for people to really uh experience 
that part. I don't know, but yeah, it makes me laugh. Yeah, I wanted to ask, so for folks who have never tried it before, what does a session with a practitioner look like? What can they expect? I know it's wildly different from person to person, even just the two of you sharing your experiences. For me, it's been sort of a mixed bag of of what you were saying, Shauna, and also you, Susan. Some For me, I guess, I got to be honest with you, the sort of unexpectedness of it is a little much. Like I could go in being like, I'm going to just clear some of my energy or I'm going to settle in. And then I'm like sobbing about some mother wound I didn't know I had. And I'm like, wow, you know, so there's that. It, it definitely, for me, it can, it, it definitely brings a bunch up to the surface. Um, but I was love, I would love to hear y'all's take on it and, you know, what people can kind of expect, what it's, what it's good for, how you hold space and, and so on and so forth. Yes, there's definitely a time and a place to do breath work, right? Because the the beautiful thing about it, but also, as you were saying, the unexpected thing that occurs, um, because what we're doing is really we're quieting the mind. And so we're allowing the intelligence of our body to start to communicate with us. So it's a very different way of communicating because I know, for instance, and this is everything I'm saying is kind of from my personal experience and my journey, just so because everybody experiences this very differently and from session to session as well. Um, But I know, I think as well that when you're a young child who is very sensitive, in order to protect myself, I think that I kind of shut down the body and move to the head so that I could move in the world and protect myself and feel safe. And so I think that's why when I go inward and take the journey of the breath, I then experience all these emotions that I had been suppressing. And so this particular breath is very powerful at bringing that to the surface And then the little surprise part is that you just never know what's going to come up, you know? And so you can have this amazing intention and then, oh no, we're going here. And it's like, okay. So um, yeah, when, when I have a session with a client, it's usually an hour and a half. Um, I really take the time at the beginning to have a conversation. Um, And when I'm having the conversation, there are a number of reasons I'm having them. First of all, for them to feel me and, you know, so that they can um, feel safe. Um, and of course, feeling safe is a big umbrella too. So, you know, but having a dialogue, giving them the opportunity to share what's on, on their heart, on their mind, what they'd like to work through. Uh, and then we go into the breath um, and I'm there holding the space, guiding them if it's their first time. And also depending on what they're going through, I'll allow quite a bit of dialogue between us. I always want that to be open because I think that sometimes fear can come up and people feel, oh, I can't express myself or I can't say anything. I need to just do the breath. And so I really try to a explain all of the different things that can come up, let them know that at any stage, they can voice whatever's coming up for them. And for some people, they go deep. For some people, it's it's a much, it's a lighter experience. Uh, and for some people, they need an arch. They need to do it for uh, a number of weeks. Other people just need one session. And I am adamant 
<laughs> with this as well. When someone comes to me and after the session, they may say, oh, can, should I, like, when do I need to come back? And I'm like, I do not know. I, again, with the, the way with the word healing, I have to give that back to you. You know when you need to come back. You know if you need to come back, right? So really trying to always empower the person uh, letting them recognize as well that this journey and this breath, it's an active breath. So you're taking ownership of your journey. Um, it is hard work at the beginning. There's a lot of resistance. But I think meeting that resistance and allowing yourself to then journey inward gives you that sense of empowerment, allows you to know that, yes, okay, I'm going within. At any point, you get to stop, take a, a breath you know, and then go back to it when you can. I also encourage people to move their bodies. You know, when I first started, we weren't really trained that way, where it's like we could just, yeah, or move our bodies, shake our bodies. I really encourage people to start to listen to what their body is asking of them. Um, and then we also do vocal releases. Um, the reason for that, again, it's just to move that energy. So what we're really doing is just moving energy, energy that's stuck, energy that's suppressed. And the beautiful part as well is then when you're kind of peeling the onions of the stories or the patterns or, you know, um, things that are holding you back, you then start to really meet your essence. Um, I like to, to, to call it like almost like my inner compass. And then that start the, the little whisper starts to become, you know, stronger. And over time, you know, you start to really communicate and commune with yourself and that opens a whole different uh, path of life, I think, um, rather than the one that we're sometimes feel we're told or should, or sometimes we don't even know, we're just kind of blindly walking, right? That was beautiful. Shauna, is there anything you wanna add to that? Two points. Um, I was thinking about, uh, thank you, Susan, for bringing up the history of breathwork. Um, I'm leading a breathwork facilitator training, and I started reading kind of all of the different histories of breathwork. Um, so I thought I should add to it, um, which I think helps to explain kind of the anything goes of breathwork, um, is that a lot of the um, modern forms of breathwork stemmed um, after psychedelics were outlawed. Um, people started to figure out how they could create the effects of psych psychedelics without the actual drugs. Um, so a lot of times with breathwork, people will feel kind of a psychedelic effect. And that can be either, you know, feeling very strong emotions. It can be kind of this floaty out of body experience. Maybe there's, um, you know, like a deep relaxation. Maybe there's laughter. Um, there, there are a lot of different experiences with breathwork. And as you've heard beautiful listeners on this call, breathwork is almost always different every time you do it. And it's really, really, really hard to just announce to your body and to your soul and higher self that we're going to cry today. Like, you know, it's just, just never goes the way um, I think you plan. So yeah, I wanted to say that. And also, um, and this is, I've heard this on this podcast a bunch, but just for the sense of repetition, um, at the beginning of a breathwork session, I know Susan does this, and I always recommend that um, people set up boundaries um, specifically around the conversation, around the communication and anything that happens in the session. Um, in any breathwork session, you should know that it is your session. Um, so, you know, all topics are on the table or off the table, depending on your comfort level. Um, and that's also something that should always come with breathwork is just permission um, and, and again, agency. Yes, yes. Also beautiful. The, you know, interestingly enough, I, I want to segue into 
what I what I'm really wanting to speak with both of you about, and I'm sort of calling it the anatomy of like an accountability process. Because before we go forward, I just need to share as you were, as I don't, as you both were talking, I told Susan this, but Shauna, I hadn't told you this. I was doing a series of yoga classes um, last month with one of the best yoga instructors I had ever encountered. His name is Lal Maharaj, um, and he's just absolutely remarkable. He's at the Vastu School of Yoga. And he's from India originally. And he, in one of the classes, started doing that three-part pattern. But his way was to only do it through the nose. And the, the breathwork pattern that you practice and that I went to the workshop around as well is only through the mouth. And I was just, my jaw dropped because this was the first time I had encountered exactly the like in the belly to the heart out. And I asked him, I was like, okay, what, what is this breath pattern? What's the name of it? Right. And he looked at me and he just said, this is just breathing. He's like, every yogi learns this. Like my mother taught me this. It's just, I was like, but if you had a name and, you know, cause we all, we're all like, where is this from? Uh, he just said, you know, yogic breathing. So, you know, it is from India, at least the breath work pattern you both practice and also you know maybe the open mouth part is the part that adds to the psychedelic or adds a different because this was this was sort of more just to settle and to kind of calm and to move energy but not in that sort of fast way that we can experience with the open mouth and so i did i just had to say that because i know i would forget i just was like wow uh, but to your point shauna there's like it's this big umbrella right and we're not always quite sure and how I came into contact with both of you, Shauna, I met you in New York. I don't even remember. Time is so, you know, timey, so molassesy these, but it was years ago. And we met there. And so I think we like kept on, kept in touch over the internet, like on social media or something. And then I believe Susan and or Shauna came to a class of mine. And then it was on protection magic. And then Susan asked a question about well what do you do if there's like an unethical teacher or so, it was something along those lines you know and i just remember the the heart like you're just so heart filled susan that even in i just was like this is the most compassionate part i just was struck by the harm that was there too though i could feel the hurt and i could feel the harm underneath that and it was such a great question to bring up in the context of this class and the class protection magic, right? What do you do if someone you've trusted or given power away to is, um, for lack of a better word, maybe not, you know, um, ethical, I'll just say, or maybe not using power dynamics to uh, the best of all uh, included. And I was then introduced to this process you were having with your former teachers around a lack of accountability in their process. And I'm going to let both of you take it from there because this is your story. But I, I wanted to just tell the listener, I, I really wanted both of you to talk about this because I hear people message me about this all the time. Like I, 
you know, I feel uncomfortable or my teacher is doing this or I, I feel uneasy or this person keeps asking me for money. That's like a common one. You know, it's it, we could be here all day with the different ways in which people have contacted me feeling unsure, feeling and sometimes I'll just use the word also traumatized, really, you know, in, in certain situations. And I really was struck by witnessing your both of yours and the group you were doing this within your compassion, your clarity, you know, it, it was a very heart led, very respectful feeling process. And I really like would, would point people to this process, to your written communication and so on and so forth as an example of how to compassionately and respectfully get into a dialogue with someone who you feel might be behaving in unethical or even potentially harmful, uh, you know, situations. Yeah, I, um, I'll just start because then I'll, I'll um, head it over to Shauna. Um, the the I remember very vividly being on that uh, course with you and I was um, wrestling with what felt like something really unjust that was happening but I couldn't put my finger on it Um, I was just really angry Um, and it was actually at the time that Ahmad Aubrey was killed and so this was just on the cusp of the BLM movement and at the time I was talking to Shauna quite a bit and I remember doing this aerobics class the class it's called the class um and I just remember like I need to vent like I need to say this I just couldn't understand why there was silence in this so-called wellness world when somebody's life was taken away in that manner, right? Like just abhorrent violence. Um, and I, 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 my head couldn't wrap itself around this caring, compassionate, you know, soulful, spiritual world. And yet such silence when it came to something that didn't quote unquote affect you right? Wasn't interfering in your white wellness world. I mean, that is, I do have to say that. And I, so I ranted on it and um, Shauna, you know, I think then spoke to you actually, and I was on the course and that what, that's what led me to ask the question. And then you shared the video and the video got a lot of people kind of talking about it. Um, so again, thank you so much for sharing that because you know, when you have a smaller platform, it's very hard to get your message out there when you're feeling this sense of, I was, I was perplexed. I was raging. I was confused. And, and that kind of then led to, then George Floyd was killed. And so then we know that whole time, which feels like such a blur, um, And that also brought up a lot of like, oh, wow, we really need to look at this. What is going on? And that's when Sean and I, obviously, we talk all the time, but 
you know, all the others, um, Jenny, um, I'm going to, cause I'm like Amy, Amy Koretsky, Miriam, um, Molly, we, we just, we're all in that same disarray and confusion. And, and, and then we started to look at this whole situation and we're like, this is, this is not okay. This is not okay. And so it kind of started from there. I'll, I'll let Shauna um, chime in there. During COVID, some of the actions and rhetoric from the leaders in our breathwork community showed a lack of compassion for the heightened suffering that was happening in the world. When George Floyd was murdered, the insensitivity continued. Um, and in some ways it got worse. We attended a breathwork training that was led by someone who insisted on, quote, staying out of politics. The training used non-inclusive language that appropriated indigenous cultures without respect or even recognition. At one point during the training, the teacher shared that he had a vision, I think it was a vision or a dream, um, where he was on a slave ship in shackles implying that during a past life he had been an african slave i remember so many people in the room nodding at him with compassion as he sat there solemnly eyes lowered a black man suffocated to death on a hot sidewalk and i kept thinking about our breathwork training about how staying out of politics meant ignoring the systems of racism and hate that haunt families of color and instead focusing on a fairy tale past life as a slave. It was way past time for changes to happen in the breathwork community. Um, the call out or call in, whatever you wanna call it, was a months long process. Six of us brainstormed what changes we thought were necessary. We wrote a letter that discussed plans of action with plenty of resources. We asked others in our breathwork lineage to sign the letters. We wanted it to be clear that the calls for change were not from an isolated view, but a strong and passionate majority. Um, we offered an opportunity, you know, to recalibrate, really, to do an about face, to say, hey, I'm learning, I'm evolving. Um, these are things that we're going to do differently. Um, we got a response to our letter, and I'll speak for myself um, in saying that the response did not spark optimism. <laughs> Um, as I said, you know, this was a months long process, uh, like the rest of the world, we were individually juggling a lot. So the question was, what do we do now? There had already been so much labor and compassion poured into the process. Um, it was exhausting. Um, the goal was to uplift the future of the breathwork community to spark change. Um, not to volunteer our time and energy as like monitors of the breathwork world. So we decided to publish all of the letters in their entirety so that people could read what transpired um, and make their own decision. We wanted to see more people of color um, in, in leadership roles. We wanted a commitment 
to being trauma aware. Um, we wanted um, a discussion around inclusive language. We wanted people to start, um, you know, just just living in the now and and making a commitment to serve all people, not just ones of a certain skin tone, not just ones of a certain income. Um, and we we asked for that. We did. We we outlined it. Um, and and we didn't get a big. <laughs> We didn't get we didn't get a, a very promising response. I'll say that um, we weren't um, we weren't invited in to discuss it further. Um, at one point, some points that we asked for were mentioned publicly on a website, disguised as that person's own ideas, um, which was another thing we were asking for was accountability, um, and and for people to for us to talk more about um, the origins of this of this of this meditation that we'd all learned. Um, so that was, that was kind of it. Um, and I think there was a lot of questions around like what we wanted to do. Um, I don't think any of us wanted to have to like, you know, stalk and play police and, and continue to monitor what their activities were. Um, so we just published all that we had and walked away um, with the idea that that information is out there. If someone does a search, if someone is interested in knowing what we saw and what we experienced before signing up for a training or before going to a retreat, it's out there and they can do it. Um, and that's kind of it. But yes, Sarah, we do get a lot of, I get a lot of emails, a lot of messages about like still who are like, oh, I did this and I went to this training and I felt this way. I'm like, why message them? Like <laughs> I'm sympathetic, but I feel like there, there was a lot of labor that's been done. So, you know, take your grievances to that door, please. You know, so I feel like this has been a lot of talking. No, that's amazing. I just wanted to say as well, just to preface that we did a lot of private exchanges prior. So there's a lot of work that went in trying to get said, say persons to really say, hey, guys, wake up. You know, this is, we're, we're trying, we need to, to take a different path here. Um, so we did do a lot of that. I, I want to back up just a little bit because um, I want to get a little bit more specific around some of the ways that the training in your eyes and my eyes, because I went to one and never returned, was not considered, was not trauma informed, was not, did not have cultural competency, was not inclusive. Like, I think that a lot of times folks will go into a situation and they'll come out not feeling off or not feeling right, but because no one's speaking up, because everything sort of seems amazing, maybe even, you know, because so many other people there might be having breakthroughs and connecting and, you know, whatever it may be, they feel like they're, they can't say anything you know, or they're just sort of like, mm, am I, am I overreacting or, you know, these kinds of things. So I kind of just wanted to parse out a few of the ways in which looking back, you know, you're like, oh, these things weren't making me feel safe, listened to, cared for, so on and so forth. In planning a breathwork 
facilitator training, I learned a lot. Um, and one of them had a lot to do with trauma and being trauma informed or being trauma aware. Um, and I think some things in our specific training that we attended um, were just around like questions that people will ask, like, well, what if someone has like an adverse reaction to a session? Um, what if someone is um, battling mental illness? Um, a lot of these just very normal human experiences. Um, and I, maybe Susan, you can correct me if I'm misquoting this, but I believe the answer was that our teacher does not work with people who are having any of those things. Specifically, our teacher has spoken with the universe, with spirit, and asked that only people who are um, uh, free of all of those afflictions um, show up at their doorstep. That was the answer. Um, that's, that's a great example of um, <laughs> a lack of trauma um, awareness. Um, and I think also just a lot of kind of victim blaming um, just a lot of the things that I, I think are pretty um, easily, you know, used across, um, back to my air quotes, wellness spaces around like, you know, if someone is, someone has experienced trauma in their life, um, you know, on ways it could be their fault. Um, a lot of kind of victim blaming, um, a lot of, you know, just perspective mindset shifts instead of acknowledging systems um, of oppression. Um, yeah, things like that. Yeah, so for me, I was coming as well from the perspective that I had never done any sort of spiritual training. This was really my first experience into that world. Um, and so I could only really express it from like how I felt in that moment. And I'm quite intuitive. So I just remember like on the first day being super excited. And then I just remember a feeling. And I was like, I feel really uncomfortable. I couldn't name it. I couldn't. I And what happens to me, Susan, is I start to go, there's something wrong with me, right? I'm not fitting in. And I remember being in the circle and being scared to ask questions. And I also remember the questions being answered were very vague. They weren't in depth at all. And I wasn't really gaining any knowledge as somebody who had really never had, you know, had practiced any of this. You know, it's like, you, yes, you hold space. But I, I, I was like, well, OK, you know, there were like an idea of like, oh, you can see around the nose if somebody is about to well up. And I'm like, OK, that's great. So they're going to cry. But what am I what if they're crying about something that I don't know how to deal with what you know and that was kind of just really passed on as more of a spiritual thing there the idea of being trauma-informed was not something that was discussed there at all and I and I and he very much did not want to talk about it from a physical standpoint right so anything physically going on so that would be, i.e., anything around, because trauma can manifest physically. There, there was no conversation around that. Um, the women were incredible. Had I not had the same women, I don't know that I would have felt very safe myself. I don't know that there was enough support or a safe space 
or even an invitation if something has come up during this time of you training so that you can hold space for another human. If something has come up, here's a space to come and really let's, you know, go through it together. Let's let's get let, let's really go go into the depths of it, go to the root of it. That wasn't at all on the table or on the cards. And I remember leaving and really feeling that I was terrified to hold space for somebody else. And I thought, well, okay, but that's because me, it, it could be me. Okay, I'm more conscious. Um, maybe I have more fear. Maybe I have, I don't know, low self-worth. I don't know where I don't feel this confidence. But I'm thinking, what if somebody else was just like, oh yeah, I can do this. And just goes out into the world and is holding this space with not enough knowledge, to be honest. And so when I went to level four, I remember specifically there were questions. It was like, write questions down that, you know, through the levels uh, that you you were still wanting to know. And I was like, okay, great. Finally, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get these. And they were, again, vague, vague answers to something and an experience that is so deep and I just couldn't understand the vagueness with with which it was um being received it you know so I mean I definitely left knowing that I had to do a lot of my own work before I could even um hold space for somebody else yeah I mean I didn't go all the way to level four I dropped out at level two uh my experience uh, of it um, was I, I first went to a training with a student of his. And so I asked her on the first day, where does this come from? Like, what is the context of this? And her answer was, this was made up by a white guy in California. You don't have to worry. Like it just was created like in the seventies or something like, like, and I was sort of, you know, there was a question there and similar to both of you, you know, you have this experience while in the training that is profound, or at least, you know, you know, that something is happening. There's no information about the nervous system. There's no background around what to do if, the nervous system is getting activated, no techniques, no ways to ground yourself or your client other than saying like grab a rock and hold on to it or scream or something. But there's no ways to bring someone back into the body, specifically people of histories of trauma, disassociation, um, physical abuse, you know, on and on and on. And Jennifer Patterson um, speaks very, is, is her among many others, but I'm naming her because she has a book about it. And she's very trauma informed, you know, talks about this. So there are people talking about it. It's not that there's not people talking about that and that there's not resources out there. It's just that in these specific trainings, there weren't. And so I went on to the second training and, and, to the lineage question, then come to find out, and again, I'd love it if y'all could correct me, but there is a phenomenon in the spiritual community. There's a name for this. And the name for this is spiritual DNA. And the story goes that then, you know, this other teacher 
met someone who was of who was Indian and who said, we were in a past life together. And in this past life, you were Indian, that this teacher is white in this life. You were Indian and you helped me. And now I'm teaching you this pattern to repay the debt or whatever. Again, I, I'm paraphrasing here. It was years ago. And we call this, or it is called, there's a name for it. It's called spiritual DNA. And that is when white practitioners say, oh, I was Native American in a past life. Oh, one of my guides is from India or from this other country. So I now have access to this culture that, you know, I'm not from, have no background in, have no idea. Because the other thing too, and I'm getting off on a tangent, I'm going to rein it in. Don't you worry. And I'm going to let y'all speak. The other thing is, is that with so many of these practices, you know, Buddhism or yoga, there's a huge cultural aspect to it. You know, that stem, like, you know, with me and, and Judaism and the Kabbalah, there's a huge Jewish background if you're studying the Kabbalah, which is, which is a religious vantage point, you know? And so if you kind of take that out, things sort of maybe change. And the last thing I will say, and so I just dropped off after that. The last thing I will say is in terms of the body part and not feeling like something was right or didn't not feeling okay in my body, I literally never, I mean, maybe like twice in my life have I gotten migraines. And by like the afternoon of day one, I had like a migraine so bad that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to like come back. And in fact, like the only reason I sort of did was I thought, oh, maybe it's just stuff coming up because that's another thing they said. Oh, if you have a headache or if you're, you know, exhausted, which is true, you know, doing all of this, but it's just stuff, you know, detox, you're detoxing and like all this sort of, again, the vagueness of it all was disconcerting, you know? Um, so that's just what I'm going to share of my experience. And I think these are some, but there, there's some like points behind them, like listening to your body, the vagueness, the sort of spiritual DNA of it all and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I just wanted to bring up one point um, just about a lot of like, like specifically I'll talk about our breathwork training um, and how it was lacking in content. And this is something um, Molly Harris, she runs the um, Breathe Network, um, which is this fantastic organization. But I want to give her credit in saying this to me um, as I say it to you all. The idea is that with a lot of like this breathwork training, and I see this with a lot of yoga trainings too, the, it's this idea of changing your life. This is going to be life changing, but they're not focused on, on training you to do anything. Um, so we walk into these spaces like I'm ready to have my life changed. And I think people who are are struggling with, you know, any list of things are ready for that life change. Who isn't ready for a life change? And you pay your money and you get into the space ready for a life change. And then I think a lot of that is why we kind of disarm a lot of our our body, our body is saying this isn't right. Our gut reaction is saying this isn't right because we're trying to show up and be present. All of the words they throw at you in terms of, you know, of not taking away your own growth or whatever. But essentially, um, there should be a difference in retreat and trainings. A retreat can change your life. A training should tell you how to do something and, and tell others in a comprehensive way. Um, and I think it's there's this this co combination of the two, which is which is where things get a little bit mucky. And and I think that's why a lot of people walk away from some of these 
these trainings without any information, um, and then maybe not even a life change. Um, <laughs> so it's you know there's there's really just a big conflict in that, and that's what I wanted to point out. I love that so much. I also wanted to sort of then you know fast forward into your process. You started having these conversations with one another, understanding that there was this shared experience of, you know, not being prepared and all of these, you know, this other sort of grocery list really of other issues, right? And you then reached out privately, right? To your your former teacher. Yeah. And the response was So just to 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 get clarity on that, we reached out to the student who you said you had trained with. That's who we were having a lot of conversations with. And that wasn't necessarily the same dialogue we were having with the person who trained us as well. Um, So I just want to have some clarity around that. But yes, we did send him the the private email first, the letter we sent him and his response and, and his decision to not really invite us into the conversation and also a few things that he wrote on there were just seemed to be like trying to pass it off saying he was going to use one of the people that kind of support him who yes is a therapist um, and that she's suddenly going to be doing the trauma-informed part and I just thought well why hasn't she been doing it for the years she's been there and I don't know how she's suddenly it, it really felt like no you really need to get somebody that's out of that circle in there yeah so the response was just very obvious that okay um he's kind of just saying great thank you i've read it i acknowledge it um he you know tried to explain some of the questions that we asked i mean the letters are all there breathworkforthepeople.com it's uh, for everybody who who would like to to read it um and we put a, a lot of work into it and um a, you know uh, a lot of the people who aren't on here today put tremendous amount of work um, in writing. It's deeply generous. Like it's the the definition of generous in terms of resource. And it's very clear that so much labor went into this document, which I think is another piece of all of this, right? So, yeah. And so, um, we decided to make it public, as Shauna said, for the simple reason of, okay, we've done the work. It was very exhausting. And it's obvious that we've come to a wall and people are adults and they can read the work we've put into it and they get to decide or check in with per- with the person and say, have you met these requirements? And then they get to make an informed decision of whether or not they feel that this training will serve them to be able to hold space for other people. I personally don't know how you can be trained in a day sometimes or a weekend now, it's a weekend, you know, to be able to hold space, which is happening at the moment. So, but there you go. And yeah, and so we needed to back away for our own mental state. We were drained, we were exhausted, we were in the middle of you know, I mean, it was a, a revolution and awakening. And I knew, I knew deep down that we had to ride the wave because I knew this moment would only 
be a moment, unfortunately, um, to really be able to magnify the injustices, the, the, the way people in those privileged positions don't make room to open the door for those who are marginalized, but who also really need this form of healing or, you know, um, a tool, a tool that they can use, a tool that they can bring to their community. Because why should I have to look at a white man? <laughs> train me. Why should I have to do that? So we were asking him to train people, black, indigenous, you know, and 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 I'm so glad we act that was what we had at the beginning, but fast forward, which was so great, was the realization of again, we were learning through this. The big realization was what are we doing? Why are we asking him to do that? What? But it you know, again, it's like we're also having to take away the layers of um the word is 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 not coming to my mind, but um, you know, take away those layers of oh, he's the one with the answer. And actually it's like, no. So I was so pleased when Shauna was like, actually, I'm going to take ownership of this. I am going to be the change people want to see. I'm going to be the one who is going to do a training that I would love to have been in with a very collective uh, approach rather than a singular guru mentality. So it's been, I'm, I'm so happy, you know, that she felt called to do that. I certainly know that I didn't want to, to train people. Um, but I think that that's, that's the beautiful thing that came out of it was like, oh, wow, no, you, you we don't need you, actually. <laughs> Yes. And so this is a great segue. Shauna, Shauna, you are now leading trainings. So I want to ask you, you know, I think I want to start with like, yeah, you know, Susan had clarity. It was a no, like she was not called to train people. What was it? Was it your intuition? What was it that made you want to create this beautiful, wonderful, comprehensive training for folks? Yeah, I would say it's intuitive. Um, I think I come from a background of having led a lot of like corporate trainings and whatever job I was in or um, in fitness, I watched kind of what happens um, when people know a modality and no one is there to train said modality. Um, and I think I had so much respect for breathwork and so much respect for this modality as a way to really help people work through their lives. Um, breathwork, you know, if you can breathe, you can do breathwork. So I, I wanted it to continue, but, and I, and I, I wanted more voices in this field, um, more diverse voices. I wanted to have co-workers in a community where everyone, you know, practiced anti-oppression, where people had done some work to be trauma aware. Um, and I looked around, I did a lot of research. Um, I found some really great programs. Most of them were missing an anti-racism stance, fun fact. Um, and I was like, okay, y'all, I think we can do this. <laughs> like, I was like, I think I like sent like everybody this like four page document. I was like, we can do it. 
what do you think? And, you know, everyone has their lives and, and not everybody really wanted to just dive in to create this, which I understand a year later because it was a S ton of work um, and it took a lot of focus. But yeah, um, it created the Breath Liberation Society. Um, and uh, we just were one month um, from completing our first cohort, our first training. Um, and the idea is that we're decentralizing the guru. So while I am helping to facilitate the training, we've had guest speakers um, who've spoken about um, anti-racism, about um, decolonizing gender, about um, being trauma-informed and using more trauma-aware language. Um, but it's been really amazing. And then we had um, 15 breathwork facilitators give interviews and share their knowledge as well. Um, so, you know, it's, I think, because our human experience is so different and so um, ever-changing, like, I think it's really impossible to create a a learning opportunity that only shares my freaking wisdom, right? Like, so the idea was to bring the wisdom of a lot of people so that people, so that others in the training can learn and, and take what resonates and move on from what doesn't. Um, I think it's important that people be able to see themselves in a, in a facilitation program, that they can see a black queer woman, that they can see other queer people in wellness. They can see people um, that are, you know, of different body shapes, and ethnic backgrounds, um, you know, midwife, I mean, you know, a Midwestern housewife, all of that, we're all in there um, because that's kind of what this beautiful world is all about, um, taking our own unique experience and sharing it with others. And then the second part is that with our clinic, uh, with the clinic, um, and that's just because, again, I come from a fitness background where I think I had to do like 200 teaching hours. Um, so we do have a clinic um, where people are going to be leading breath work. It's the idea to bring breath work actually to people. Um, so the yeah, that's that's that. We're 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 creating new voices and we're creating some access for those to enjoy and, and get into breath work as well. I love this. So how long is your is your program? It is four months um, and it's going to get longer um, <laughs> because, you know, I I think when I when we were writing all those letters last year, I was like, you know, if you're not an expert in something, then just hire people like there are so many amazing humans out there, like in the basements of like you know, shelters, like feeding people and teaching people with their lived experience, like they would love to work, like just hire them. Like you don't have to be the jack of all trades. You can right. just hire people who have experience in that environment to come and teach. So that's what we've been doing. And I learned that that's a crap ton of information. Like even as I like started to do the lectures for the first weekend, I was like, oh, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time at yeah. all. Um, so yeah, it's four months. Um, there's something called the Breathwork Alliance and they ha have a um, like a standardized teaching schedule. Um, and I think for them, their trainings are like up to a year, I think. Um, we're not completely there because I do want people who maybe don't have that much time to be able to learn to facilitate. I think time is also something that's a privilege. Um, and I'm trying to find a way to kind of blend the two, which is why we do have that hybrid learning where people can do some work on their own, have the community aspect where we meet in person and we do our um, our training that way. But um, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting endeavor. I've learned so much. I'm learning more. Um, I'm really excited to continue teaching this. Um, I think the people in it are awesome and, and we're gonna have some really colorful, amazing new voices in the breathwork community soon. 
Shauna, this is like so, it's so incredible. It's so amazing what you're doing. You know, it sounds so thorough. It sounds so, dare I say, life-changing. It sounds really like considerate, you know, and I think it's like sometimes we really do have to create what we want to see, you know, like, like y'all said, at a certain point, there's only so many conversations you can have with people who aren't available, you know, who aren't available to listen or to change or whatever that is. And at a certain point, you just, you have to create your own, your own thing. You have to create what you want to see. You have to create what you needed. And it's just absolutely amazing. I'm just sort of curious. I got to ask, has it been healing for you in some way? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been really healing. Um, because there, so when I launched the training, um, it was this big thing. I like, you know, spent two hours crying at my desk trying to get the courage hit send. But once I did, people were just like, oh, thank goodness. Like, I think it was this moment of like, we're not alone in this. Like, I, there are so many, quite a few people in even this, this training right now who were like, I really wanted to learn to lead breath work. There was no way I was going down the paths that were available. I'm so glad you did this. Um, yeah, it is It is healing because I think it's easy for, you know, people were really upset um, when we started writing these letters, which we didn't talk about. Um, when we published the letters, people were really upset. They felt like we'd attacked their whole, you know, sense of life. And it wasn't the people who the letters were to. It was students who were, who were unable to, you know, battle the duality of like, you know, this person changed my life and they, they have, they need to grow and evolve. They weren't willing to, to do that. They just felt attacked. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really cool to see people who were just grateful for the hard work. They, it was, it's, it was, it's been cool to see people who, who also share, um, a love of breath work, but also knew that it was time for a change. Yeah. And I also want to say, because when we had written the letters, a lot of people also, you know, um, writing to us and going, okay, but then where do I go? And so that was something we were kind of left in the void with because we were like, I know, and we wish, and, you know, um, so I'm so glad that now we have, you know, somebody that we can say, okay, go to Shauna, you know what I mean? She's got a great um, a great training and you'll be in great hands. And yeah. And I just, again, want to say, I just love that it's a collective. I think it is so important for all voices to be shared because as well resonate, who do you resonate with? You know, like bringing in different, uh, people to lead breath work in that training is also great because people get to resonate maybe with one person and their style of leading and, you know, so I think that that's and know that, oh, wow, I can lead this way. This feels more kind of like my like my jam, you know, so having that available to them is incredible. It also really underscores this whole collaboration, not competition, you know, because when there's that one person, it just there's a there's just a power dynamic that isn't a power dynamic. I don't it's just an, it's just so old school, you know, like it's about the collective. I firmly believe I'm using the word. I said I didn't like it, but I, I mean, I like the word. It's just the way it's used with the vagueness. But I believe we do heal in community. We heal with one another. We heal through 
being able to, you know, feel not so alone, you know, uh, learn from other people's experiences, have our perspective shift and change through being with one another in vulnerable and open and transparent spaces. And so I just love that you really are creating this whole completely present day, completely aligned with your values that people can go to as a resource. And so, yeah, I just love it. And I love that y'all would be able, like your friendship helped you like through all of this. And, you know, I know Susan, like you are still in your private practice. I'd love it if you could just like speak a little bit about that as well to sort of see like if there's, you know, what you've learned the most or, you know, how you've grown and changed, you know, over the last few years as well, seeing clients, because I've gone to some of your breathwork um, classes and they're just really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, oh, gosh, I, you know, in that context, I love the word healed, right? Because it really is in community that we do heal. And one of my, uh, the thing that I love the most about leading group breath work is actually being together. And I love when people share because I truly believe that it is when you're heard, when it is when you're seen. And you know, when you when somebody when somebody truly sees you for who you are and accepts all of you, I think that is how we heal. And also I I, I recognize myself in so many, many, many people. And that was a form of healing. And interestingly enough, I was somebody who in a group, I could barely say my name and people go, well, you're an actor. I was like, it's a completely different thing. I, you know, reading a script, like it's like, and being a person is great. That's where I get to put the mask on and I get to pretend, but being me was really challenging. And actually the group, even though I'm leading it, that healed me and is still healing me and one thing I recognize very early on is that I am constantly the student as I'm constantly the teacher and the people that I that are in this circle or come to these groups are also students and teachers I learn so much from them you know and and us sharing our vulnerability and and to me seeing how much of how much strength and courage it takes to speak on the depths of your heart it just it's like it, it is going back to but that's a very kind of life affirming moment right and it also made me truly understand that there is no fix all right this is a journey and so we're all journeying together and also, this kind of work isn't, there's there's no line. It's up and down. It's jagged. It's, you know, like I even have like, my family will come to me and be like, if I like put up a boundary and they're like, aren't you supposed to be forgiving? Don't you work in this wellness thing? And I'm like, yeah, I work in the wellness thing. And do you know what they teach you there too? Boundaries. So move on. You know, like, <laughs> so it's like, because people expect you to be a certain way. It's like, actually, it's the most incredible way to really be all of you and love all of you and accept all of you. And, you know, uh, um, so 
I really loved holding the groups and I also love having the private clients as well because we get to be more intimate um we get to have that you know one-on-one time we get to 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 really um delve deeper um so that's also something that I I truly treasure and I don't take it for granted you know that this is someone's heart coming to me Yes. So you two, such a generous conversation, such generous, gifted, lovely human beings. I'm so grateful to both of you. My friends, where can folks find you? What's on the horizon for you? Like, just give us all the details because I know people are going to want to know. Okay. So I am at susanate.com. Um, uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Irish Infused. Uh, I have I'm open to uh, privates um, right now, so one on ones. Uh, you can book that on the website. And I'm also I just um, I created a six week workshop uh, called um, In Your Inner Voyage. Um, so that's also something that I hope to. It'll be, I'll, I'll start it in October, but I'm also, you know, I'm hoping that every three months I'll be able to um, open that up to folks and that will be a group setting. Um, and I think it'll be a beautiful way for people to really delve in more detail and get to experience and experiment with yourself and, you know, get to know yourself. I mean, isn't that the, like, just get to know yourself, right? All the different little aspects. It's beautiful. It's hard sometimes, but it's also so... It's, it is beautiful work. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> I was just admiring you, Susan. I'm like, I wish Susan, like everything you say is just so like, it's beautiful and flowy and like this curated ex- vocal experience. Um, I was like listening to your cadence. I was like, I wonder if I could match that. Um, so here's my quick cadence. Um, I um, We have another breathwork facilitator cohort starting um, in the early winter of 2022. Um, it did sell out pretty quickly last time. So if you are interested in it, please um, sign up for the wait list. I usually give the people on the wait list a heads up um, in advance. Um, and we also have a bridge program for people um, who are already breathwork facilitators and interested in kind of bridging the gap between some of the learnings and some of the competencies um, that were not addressed in your first training, you can come learn them here. Um, And the Frankie Hugh Clinic, um, that's named after my grandmother's. Um, That is a wing of the Breath Liberation Society where we are leading virtual breathwork sessions, private sessions um, at a very low cost rate. So please look that up. Um, All the proceeds from that clinic do go towards the Breathwork Facilitator Fund. Um, That's gonna help bring more voices, more diverse faces to the breathwork community. And I also lead breathwork on my own but for now just find all that stuff um <laughs> yeah. <And> it- <laughs> yeah beautiful thank you so much have a wonderful day it was so great to be with you thank you thank you bye thank you that was our show I hope it made you feel supported. I hope it gave you some food for thought. I hope it brought up some stuff for you to maybe think about as you move forward, wherever you are moving forward. 
And I want to give a big thanks to Shauna and Susan. They're both such warm-hearted, brilliant, talented people, and I feel lucky to know them. All of the info on how you can contact them or work with them is, of course, in the show notes. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I'll be back soon. Bye for now. Moonbeaming is brought to you by The Moon Studio. We are created and hosted by Sarah Faith Godestiner. Editing is by Caitlin George Parker. And the sound is by Will Owen. Thank you for your support. Which is in the